Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Macaulay, the voice of Belmont, retires by Joanna K. Suvelis. The man known as the voice of Belmont for his reverse 911 messages alerted residents to parking bans and school cancellations during snow emergencies. Belmont Police 911 Operations Manager Dan McCauley officially retired on May 29th, his 58th birthday. The town celebrated his nearly 36 years of service with a reception in his honor at Town Hall. McCauley, who was born and raised in Belmont and raised his his own family in Belmont, began his career in public safety in 1982 when he was hired as a police dispatcher. In 1987, he became a fire alarm operator. After the merger of police and fire communications in 1995, he rose to the rank of supervisor of the Joint Public Safety Communications for the town of Belmont in 1998. He became the operations manager in 2006 and has been a longtime member of the Belmont Police Auxiliary. He will retain his status as a special police officer in Belmont. During the reception, Assistant Police Chief James McIsaac surprised the crowd gathering within the Selectman's meeting room when he said there was an announcement from the Belmont from Belmont Control. He put his portable radio on speaker and everyone listened to the communications supervisor, Edward Pentergast, instruct all units and companies to stand by for a special announcement. Today, I have the honor of announcing the retirement of Daniel E. McCauley, 9-11 operations manager for the town of Belmont. Dan retires at the end of this tour today following nearly 36 years of dedicated service to his hometown. Known to many as the voice of Belmont, it has been Dan's mission to serve the townspeople, protect his police officers and firefighters, and to make Belmont a better and safer place. Speaking for all of us, your brothers and sisters, Dan, you have completed your mission with great distinction. Thank you for your many years of service and countless hours of hard work. We all wish you a long, happy, and healthy retirement. Danny, you deserve nothing but the best, said Pentergast. Choking back tears, Macaulay said, It's been a great 36 years. I, I'll still be around, I promise. I'm not going anywhere. It's been a great ride, he said. Macaulay vividly remembers the events of April 19, 2013, when Belmont and much of the Boston area was in a lockdown due to the manhunt for the Boston Marathon bombing suspects. 
He lived on School Street at the time and said he heard the gunfire about one mile away. I thought I was hearing fireworks and all of a sudden my phone rang and one of the dispatches on the other end said, Boss, you, you better get into work right now. It's crazy in here. I, uh, I, I said, what's going on? They said there's a bombing in Watertown, a shooting, and all of a sudden I put two and two together and realized what I was hearing, said Macaulay. One of the more memorable incidences was also when he was a fire alarm operator and received a call from the manager of Friendlies in Cushing Square saying his restaurant had a small fire. Macaulay said his friends sometimes tease him that dispatches don't do much all day long. But some days, that call that you take is a person taking their last breath. In the 35 years I've done this, I've probably talked to well over a dozen people on the telephone who was the last person they ever talked to, to me, because they were, the, they were having medical emergency, he said. We don't get to see the end results. We get to hear it on the phone until the police and firefighters get there. We don't really get closure on that end. The people on scene do. Sometimes that can be difficult. He said police and fire chiefs include the dispatches in post-traumatic stress debriefings. Years ago, that didn't happen, he said. And now on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Remembering Belmont veterans killed in action by Javanna K. Zavellis. Belmont remembered its veterans in many ways before and on Memorial Day with ceremonies at three of the schools on May 25th, plus a parade from Cushing Square to Belmont High School and a ceremony at Belmont Cemetery on May 28th. Despite the cool, damp weather, residents of all ages participated and observed the parade with ceremony. Veterans Service Officer Robert Upton read the names of 119 Belmont residents who were killed in action in the Civil War, World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, and the War on Terror. There are 600 veterans residing in Belmont and approximately 2,000 buried in Belmont, according to Upton. The Belmont High School Marching Band and Chenery Middle School band members entertained the crowd as they played. Girl Scouts from Service Unit 313 laid flowers on veterans' graves, and David Kalantar and Sean Canavan, members of the Boy Scout Troop 304, raised the American flag during the ceremony at Belmont Cemetery. The troops rode together and on a colorful float on a truck and trailer donated by twin trucking owner Michael Crapuli. They built the floral the float last year at the Town Department of Public Works yard using donated products from Ideal Fence, Coolidge Hardware, and Winters Hardware, according to troop leader Erin Lubien. Troop members also placed flags on all veterans' graves in Belmont. Another highlight of the Memorial Day ceremony in Belmont was State Representative David Rogers reading a proclamation in honor of Memorial Day to the town of Belmont from Governor Charlie Baker. Selectman Chairman Adam Dash's speech reminded everyone 
the 100th anniversary of World War I is coming this fall. And to remember veterans of that war, rest in peace so we can live in peace. It is up to us who are living right now to create that utopia dreamt of a century ago by soldiers trapped in trenches year upon year. Sustained peace would be the ultimate gift to those soldiers of yore who made the ultimate sacrifice. We are up to the task if we simply want to make it happen, he said. Belmont's commander of the VFW and American Legion, Kip Godet, said Memorial Day is all about representing all those who paid the ultimate price for the freedoms we enjoy daily and take for granted. Elaine Oligood, member of the Belmont Public Library Board of Trustees and chief of the Boston VA Library Services, was the featured guest speaker during the ceremony, sharing stories of sacrifice, pain, and trauma of two veteran patients she came to know through her work. They each have a journey, and it's a unique journey. Sometimes it's a very bumpy and compelling journey. It's instructive and complicated, she said. Now, over to Max. Thank you, Claire. World War II and a Teacup, a commentary by Maureen King. It's a sunny morning in May, and 95-year-old World War II veteran Philip Knackley is at his usual post. The sign over the doorway reads, As Time Goes By, his favorite song. Knackley was in Casablanca during the war and a plethora of other places. His life is chock full of fascinating stories. Today, he's telling them from behind the counter of his daughter's Cushing Square antique store. Knackley's memories flourish in a sea of 8 by 10s filling the wall behind him. Names and faces call out from the black and white images. Knackley is only too happy to introduce them. He points to Amelia Earhart, flanked by a line of children in Boston's South End. The famous flyer is working as a dedicated social worker in Knackley's old neighborhood. A 12-year-old Knackley wears a cap in the back by the light post peeking over his shoulder. In the photo just below, he's huddling with his army buddies, newly home from war. He remembers drinking a quart of milk in a minute as soon as he returned to home soil. Stories from World War II fill the cozy shop trimmed in teacups and oil paintings. They run a route through Casablanca, Liverpool, and Southampton. Knackley stops long enough outside London to win an army welterweight fight in one minute and ten seconds. Serving with the 101st Airborne attached to the 82nd Airborne, he's at Omaha Beach and the Belgium Bulge. He's mining bridges, taking out pillboxes, and constructing airfields. When a furlough comes through, he's chatting with John Steinbeck on the beach in Nice. He solemnly recalls being 16 and bowling with friends next to Boston's Metropolitan Theater when they hear fire engines roaring to the Coconut Grove fire. With a sea of oil paintings wrapped around him, Knackley adds a pinch of irony to his life's eclectic stew with his attendance as an artist and sculptor at the Vesper George School of Art on Boston's St. Botolph Street. Today, the great-great-grandfather of five, born on Easter Sunday, shares the shop with good friend and Vietnam veteran Frank Healy. With two pieces of fresh fruit beside him, a case of fancy filigree spoons before him, Knackley nestles at his post behind the counter or on a bench outside in the sun, always in the mood for telling a good story. 
And this World War II veteran has a few. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. A Transformational Vision for the Green Line by Senator William Brownsberger. MBTA engineers have developed a transformational vision for the Green Line. Even more exciting, they have set in motion a convincing program for attaining that vision. The central idea is to mitigate towards a new vehicle, the Type 10. The Type 10 will be 50% longer, 112 feet as opposed to 74, and have room for twice as many people. The existing Green Line vehicles lose a lot of internal space due to the antiquated through-axle design of their undercarriage. The Type 10 vehicle will be 100% low-floor accessible and free up essentially the whole floor plan of the car for seats and standing room. Once a transition to the new vehicles is complete, the line could carry roughly the same number of two-car trains that with twice as many people on each train. Any rider of the Green Line can tell you that the existing cars are often too full to take all the waiting passengers, and it appears that many potential riders have simply given up on the experience. The core capacity study indicated that demand will only continue to grow. The possible doubling of capacity can be ramped up in stages as demand growth is confirmed. The T's engineers have carefully vetted the new vision. They have laser, laser, laser measured the tunnels to determine exactly where the larger vehicles might be too big to fit. They also have analyzed the new power and structural requirements for the new vehicles. They have created an inventory of barriers to the new vehicles, ancient power cables, aging tracks, uh, tight turns, short stations, short maintenance hoists, etc. The engineers have shown that so much of the system needs repair or replacement anyway that making the changes needed for the new vehicles adds little incremental cost. The already planned transition to a new fare system also, fa also facilitates the longer vehicles. The automated system will not require passenger interaction with the front-positioned train operator, so all doors can open. The T will be conducting a nationwide search to recruit a leader for the Green Line transformation, and the T's board has already approved a contract with an outside firm to provide capacity to manage all Green Line projects so that they may support the new vision. Over the next five years, riders will see incremental speed improvements from top consolidation, from, uh, from stop consolidation already planned in front of BU on the B line. The new fare collection system, which will reduce, will reduce dwell times, transit signal priority, which is rolling out along Commonwealth Avenue and Beacon Street. Additionally, the ongoing replacement of tracks, signal, and power components will contribute to reduce breakdowns. And now on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Rain barrels for sale to residents. This is the seventh year Sustainable Belmont has chosen to work with the Great American Rain Barrel Company. 
a local food importing company that has been repurposing shipping drums into rain barrels since 1988. Barrels are being offered for $69. Barrels will be available for pickup from 9 to 11 a.m. at Belmont DPWC Street, Belmont. Deadline for purchase is June 17 at midnight. It is that time of year again to start thinking about water conservation and saving rainwater, Amanda Mujica of Sustainable Belmont said. Rainfall is hard to gauge. Harvesting rainwater with a rain barrel can mitigate the irregular pattern of rainfall. Once again this year, Belmont is offering residents the opportunity to buy discounted rain barrels. Throughout New England, residents depend on infrastructure made in the years following World War II to supply water to far fewer homes. These infrastructures are now heavily taxed. Leaky pipes and water main breaks are only part of the problem. Stormwater runoff creates additional havoc. Capturing and storing water at the home and the use of rain barrels, are, rain gardens, are two effective ways to minimize stormwater runoff. Each year, homeowners face higher prices for water and sewer. The wholesale rate of water from the MWRA has increased 49% over the 10-year period from 2008 to 2018. Saving rainwater helps homeowners hedge against the rising cost of water. Rainwater is a free, healthy alternative. It is organic, has no chlorine, no fluoride, and no chemicals. It is an excellent water source for plants, gardens, lawns, and any non-potable use. Regular use of a rain barrel can pay for itself in one season. One-tenth of an inch of rain on a 1,000-square-foot roof, about 25 minutes of moderate rainfall, will fill a 60-gallon barrel. New England typically receives 17 inches of rain during the growing season from May through September. This provides enough water to fill 170 rain barrels. At two cents a gallon, homeowners can expect to collect $204 worth of water. Droughts, stressed residential landscaping, and town water facilities. In 2016, 168 communities in Massachusetts faced restrictions on non-essential outdoor water use, 47% of the cities and towns in the state. There is no restriction on rainwater use. Amanda Mujica from Sustainable Belmont will be at the first two Belmont Farmers Markets in June to answer questions and show residents a sample barrel. There is also a barrel and printed materials on display at the Homer Building, Belmont Town Hall. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. Benefits of Later School Start Times presented to committee by Christy Armstrong. Professor Judith Owens, Director of Sleep Medicine at Boston Children's Hospital, and an internationally recognized authority on sleep health and education in children, gave a presentation to the Belmont School Committee on the impact of school start times on student health and performance. She detailed some of the misconceptions surrounding sleep and school start times for adolescents, including the myth that teens can make up for lost sleep by sleeping late on the weekends, 
or that teens can get by on six or seven hours of sleep a night. Owens said adolescents are biologically programmed to wake at 8 a.m. or later, and because of the shift in their circadian rhythm, it is difficult for the average teen to fall asleep earlier than 11 p.m. on a regular basis. With current school start times, 7.35 a.m. at Belmont High School and 7.55 a.m. at Chenery Middle School, students are required to be awake and functioning during their lowest level of alertness, said Owen. This critically impacts their ability to learn and retain information and their academic performance as well as affecting attention, emotional regulation, and risk-taking behaviors, Owens noted. We are asking teenagers to get up and perform the, at the best at the very time when their brains are telling them to be fast asleep, she said. Owens also detailed the health effects of sleep deprivation, including obesity, accidental injuries, lower use of seatbelts, increased texting and driving and drinking and driving, depression and, and suicidal thoughts, and alcohol and substance abuse. What do we worry about with teens? Risk-taking behavior, she said. Owens emphasized that one of the most consistent and compelling findings in delaying school start times for teenagers is a decrease in the incidence of depression, which is a health epidemic among adolescents. In addition to academic performance and health and safety improvements, studies have shown that moving school start times one hour later has the potential for substantial economic gains, Owens said. Improved academic performance leads to increased lifetime earning potential of students, and the reduced incidence of car crashes also has major economic impact, with Massachusetts having the potential to see one of the highest cost-benefit ratios in the nation, according to Owens. School committee members discussed with Owens the value of potentially shifting the BHS start time by half an hour. Given that we will be building a new high school and the grade configurations will change, do you think it's worth going to 8 a.m. as an interim measure, asked Andrea Prestwich. Owens responded that a 30-minute delay in start times results in improvements for students, but not to expect dramatic changes. Belmont resident Kate Rodriguez-Clark asked the committee not to wait to shift start times and encourage focus on sleep health education. We really have to get lack of sleep up there with smoking as risky behavior, she said. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Registration for Brendan's Home Run now open. Dr. Alan Durkazarian's connection with baseball in Belmont began out of necessity. His son Alan's team needed a coach way back in 1978. It is his odyssey through the annals of Belmont baseball continued until his passing in 2015. Krasarian's coaching style is remembered fondly by former players. One of them, Brian Keegan, now an NBA executive, attributes his passion for the game to his Little League coach. He always made his entire team feel like everyone is important. Everything, everyone mattered. Keegan said. Dirk Azarian became president of Belmont Little League. He maintained an active role for the consolidation of the town's Little League, Instructional League, and Babe Ruth League, becoming the Belmont Youth Baseball Association. Even after his sons aged out of eligibility, 
Derkazarian stayed on the BYBA board, offering advice and priceless historical perspective to ensure that it succeeded in its mission of serving youth in Belmont. In his capacity, he was able to watch some impressive baseball talent develop. One of the talented players he watched with pleasure was Brendan Grant, who rose through the town's baseball divisions to become a star at Belmont High School. When Grant was fatally injured in an outfield collision during a senior Babe Ruth game in June of 2001, Derkazaria knew that he had to be part of an effort to memorialize such a talented player and promising young man. Derkazarian became a trustee of the fledgling Brendan Grant Foundation and helped steer the outpouring of grief and shock into the effort that produced the gem of a Vivacity baseball diamond now known as Brendan Grant Memorial Field. But his efforts did not stop there. Derkazarian also contributed his wisdom to the foundation's chief fundraising tool, Brendan's Home Run held every Father's Day since 2002. It was his suggestion that cash awards be offered to the top male and female finishes in order to ensure that a steady stream of championship-caliber athletes would come to Belmont each June. Then Dirk Azarian stepped up and contributed his financial support to endow the newly created prize structure supporting in the most meaningful way possible the foundation's effort to maximize the yield to youth of the home run proceeds. Each year, the top three male and female finishes join the Durkazarian Circle of Champions. Since his passing in the fall of 2015, the Durkazarian Family Foundation has chosen to increase its generosity to the foundation this year becoming the event's chief sponsor. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Students present a petition to renew BHS English Teachers Contract by Christy Armstrong and Joanna K. Zuvelis. School committee members were presented with a petition on May 22nd regarding the non-renewal of Belmont High School English teacher Rosie Roseanne Bosch contract. Bosch has been a teacher at Belmont High for the past two years with a one-year contract for each year. She told the Citizen Herald she was informed by the head of the English department, Lindsay Rinder, and assistant principal Tom Brow at the end of the school day on April 13 that her contract would not be renewed for the 2018-19 academic year and was not given a reason why. Bosch was the keynote speaker at the National Honor Society induction this year and was nominated as the favorite teacher of the year for the BHS Class of 2018 yearbook. In January, she traveled to New York with a group of Model UN students for the Columbia Model UN Conference and Exhibition. In a standing room only meeting at the Chenery Middle School, more than 50 students and parents showed their support for a teacher who, according to petition co-organizer and BHS senior Haley Brown, is the epitome of what a teacher should be, passionate, knowledgeable, creative, kind, and talented. 
Belmont High School is lucky to have such an, an engaging teacher who truly cares about the academic and socio-emotional well-being of her students. We hope that with this petition, the Belmont School Committee will reconsider and override this decision, Brown said in the petition, which has been signed by 723 people. Brown's speech about Bosch was followed by a lengthy standing ovation from the audience. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. Belmont Drives Electric hosts Ride and Drive event. A recent Belmont Drives Electric Ride and Drive event was held at the Chenery Middle School, where a number of electric vehicle owners and interested residents taking test drives while also learning about the benefits and affordability of driving electric. Belmont Drives Electric's next event will be held 1 to 4 p.m. June 24th at Chenery Middle School. Those interested are invited to come view and test drive EVs, including the Tesla Model 3 and the Chevrolet Bolt and Volt. Sponsored by Belmont Light, in partnership with Sustainable Belmont, Belmont Energy Committee and residents of Belmont, Belmont Drives Electric is a local initiative designed to highlight the benefits of driving electric vehicles and connect Belmont residents to rebates, incentives, and free test drives. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.